I am excited to be able to uh, preach to you all this morning and bring hopefully a, a good message. And I'm excited, like Scott said, I'm excited that the kids are in here to worship with us because I love to hear their voices. I love to hear them laugh. Um, so don't freak out if they yawn or do anything. It's, we're just going to go with it. And so I thought to start off the sermon today, I'm actually going to read a story. And it's one of my favorite books that I read to my daughter, Andy. And it does have something to do with what we're going to talk about today. That's a book called Wish by Matthew Cordell. And I'm going to attempt to read it without crying. Which you're thinking, great, Reagan's reading a sad story for my children. It's not sad, I promise. At first, there is us. There is only us. But even then, even before we can know to know it, we wish you are here. We make plans for us, we learn, we build, we journey. But more and more and more, we think of you. Until one day we are ready, ready for change, ready for a surprise. Ready for you. We wish you were here. So we make plans for you, we learn, we build, we journey, and then we wait, we listen. So quiet, so patient, so still, and we wait. But you never come, and everything stops. This is not what we had planned. We wish you were here. Time passes. We carry on. We live. We hope. We do not make plans. And one day, from out of the blue, there is a sound. Kids, can you make a sound? Any sound? <laughs> we listen. We hold on. We stay still. And that sound becomes a rumble. Kids, can you go like this? Loud. Keep it going. Becomes a rhythm. Becomes a roar. All the kids roar. Oh, that's great. That was perfect. So much better when I rehearsed it by myself. And with every feeling that was ever felt, everything happens. That everything is you. That everything is us. You are here. You are here. You are here. Now, as I said, you may be thinking, what does this have to do with theology or faith? And today's text is, comes from the first chapter of John, and I hope you can start to see some similarity. So with that, let me read John chapter 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought life to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot, can never extinguish it. 
So God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell that about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is a true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him, and when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So to jump back to this book, Wish, first. I think all of us parents know what it was like to think about um, what our kids would be like. Maybe it's a girl thing, but I used to dream all the time, what would my children look like? What color would their hair be? What color would their eyes be? Would they have dimples? What kind of activities would they be like? What, what personality would they have? And then at some point, you, know, you get a child, and you start after, well, after those horrible first six weeks where you start to think, what in the world have I just done? Will I ever sleep again? Will I ever get time with my spouse? After that, after that, you start to uh, you say the thing, um, you know, what was life like before, kids? I can't imagine my life without you. Which is kind of a little bit of a lie because I remember exactly what my life was like before I became a mother, okay? I dried my hair more than the Sundays that I preached. Um, I slept a little bit more. I was out past 7.30 at night. Um, What's that one thing? Oh, yeah, a lot of my money I could spend on myself. It was amazing. It was awesome. But I started to think about how much I desired, how much I wanted a kid. And maybe you're in this same boat where you feel like your kids, a part of them has always been with you. They've always been there. You've always loved them even before you can know them. Even before you saw their face, you loved them. So I started thinking about this passage in in John, and it's talking about how Christ has always been here. This word was here in the beginning. And I started to think, you know, it's hard to believe that at times, that Christ has always been here. That he's always been creating, he's always been loving and, and changing and shifting and moving things in the world. Because I I feel like I'm the characters in the Old Testament that often say, okay, whenever you want to show up, that'd be great, God. Where are you? Are you listening? I I don't trust that you're here. That's where I am a lot of the times. Sometimes I convince myself that the Trinity clocked out. 
or that maybe Christ, you know, he finally came into my life, and then he's like, okay, uh, can everyone fill me in what's going on? I don't know. Can you brief me? Like, who is that? Why does she feel that way? What happened here? I feel like he's getting briefed on everything. I begin to doubt that he's actually always been here, that he is here. So I started to think, how can I see that Christ is part of everything? So my first point today is how can we look at our lives as a continuation of what Christ was already doing? So when I flip back through this book, the Bible, I try to have the mindset that, okay, where was Christ in the beginning? Where was Christ? Because I want to read it like Christ has always been here. Because John 1 says that he's always been here. He's always been part of the Trinity, always moving, always creating, doing all these things. And so I, I take the Gospels where Christ was in flesh here, and I read the Old Testament. And I say, oh, you know, God was always doing things with people that were kind of the outcasts, that weren't that great, that, you know, were on the fringes in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, we see Christ dining with people that were the outcasts, the marginalized, the oppressed. I'm like, huh, okay. And then I see, uh, I read stories in Old Testament where people did horrible things. They didn't deserve the grace and forgiveness of God, and yet God extended it. And then I read the stories in the New Testament where Christ died on a cross and gave forgiveness in this new life. And I think, huh, okay, I guess this is pretty consistent. So there really is no distinction, distinction be between the Old Testament and the New Testament God. It's the same God. And that Christ was part of everything, that it wasn't all of a sudden the New Testament showed up and God's like, you know, let's change things up a little bit. Let's see how this goes. No, it's very consistent. It's this continuation of what has always been in place. And I think there's a part of us that likes to say things like, you know, this is a new chapter. I'm going to start. This is a new journey. And then we think about, well, maybe God really just wrote in Christ. Maybe he got to the New Testament and said, hey, let's write in a new character. Let's call him Jesus. And let's see how this goes. No, it's, again, I'm like, no, he, he's always been here because John talks about how the word was there all along. And we get to be part of the story, that we get to participate, that we get invited in. As Methodists, we believe in this thing called uh, prevenient grace. I know we've talked about it a lot. Kids, if you learn to spell it correctly or use it in a sentence, uh, you'll get into Harvard, just so you know. It's... Microsoft Word does not recognize prevenient, always says it's spelled wrong. It's really helpful when I'm writing all of my ordination papers. I really love it. But uh, we believe prevenient grace is it's this grace that is already given to us. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to do anything. It's just given. It's here. And it's this beautiful thing that, um, that we receive and we have even before we know it. Even before we know to know it, God is present. And so I look at the beginning of John and I think about Christ. And I'm like, you know, Christ is like a living, breathing, walking form of prevenient grace that has always been here. And it's just waiting to be invited in, just waiting to be accepted. So I started thinking about 
<clears throat> this, is, this really is confusing because we're talking about things that are outside time. So I'm going to draw the world, the time, because I'm really gifted and really scientific. So here's the beginning of time. Here's the end of time, which would be, I don't know if the Cowboys ever win the Super Bowl. I don't know, maybe, I don't know. Oh, too far? Okay. And then let's see, here's us. We're kind of small, still significant, still important. And then up here we've got, you know, we've got the Trinity. We've got, we've got God. We've got Jesus. We've got the Holy Spirit. And then down here is where we kind of see Christ come down into where there's, down here is where there's time constraints. Where, you know, we live by time. And up here it's just eternity. It's eternal. And it's kind of weird to think, okay, how is Christ in two places at once? And how does he do all this? And I don't necessarily have an answer other than he's God. But I think about Okay, if, if Jesus has been here all along and sees all of time, then I can feel really secure giving my life over to him. Because he knows all and he sees all. I can depend on him. I feel safe because he's got it all under control. He knows it. He sees it. He sees us individually. And so I think, huh, this is really big but I feel really safe and I feel loved and I feel cared for. And so if Christ is truly here, how are we inviting him into our lives? So one of my brothers, uh, my brother Evan, one of his favorite movies is Rudy. Any Rudy fans out there? Okay, look at me, two sports analogies in like one sermon kind of. Okay, so Rudy, um, for those of you that don't know it, um, this is a story of this guy who loves the fighting Irish football team, like loves them, breathes them. His whole family does. He knows all the players' names. He knows all the coaches. He knows um, all the speeches. He knows all the plays. He loves the fighting Irish football team. And then through some circumstances, he gets to play in a game, and they're shouting his name, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. And I think about Rudy's always been there loving them, loving that team, caring for them, but he's been sitting on the bench, waiting, waiting for his time to be called in. And then he gets called in. I'm like, you know, Rudy is like our Jesus, and we're the fighting Irish football team. Like, he is ready to go at a moment's notice, but he just wants to be invited in. And I think, okay, so, so what am I doing? Because Christ has been here all along waiting for us to call upon him. And when we do, something shifts within us. Something changes. In the Methodist world, we call that justification. For you recovering Baptists, you say, oh, that's when you got saved. Got it. Okay, good. But there's something that shifts. But there's something that was always there. Because, you know, I believe that we are created by a good God and that we bear the image of God. But something changes. And so then we get to invite him in. And then we get to give credit to where credit is due. Like for me, um, for example, I've been writing all this ordination paperwork. And sometimes I'll write something and it is good. 
I mean, it is good. And I'm like, man. And then I remember, oh, right, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not me. I'm not that smart. Um, or sometimes I'll be praying with people in the hospital and that these beautiful words will come out of my mouth. And I sound so eloquent and refined and classy, which I'm none of those things. And again, I'm like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. Kids, you know, like when you're writing a paper, you're taking a test, and you're like, I don't remember any of this. And then all of a sudden it just comes to you. Or you write a story, and you're like, this is amazing. That's kind of what the Holy Spirit is like. Something that comes out, it's this light that comes out of you that is far greater than you are on your own. And I love that. And so when we do let Christ in, it's important to let Christ have the authority that we know that Christ has lordship. That Christ gets to guide you and make choices. You have to hand it over. You kind of have to surrender. But when you do that, something really beautiful happens. When you want to be angry, you forgive. When you want to be selfish, you're selfless. When you want to be greedy, you're generous. When you want to judge, you give grace. All these beautiful things happen when we invite Christ into our lives. When we trust that this God who became a man was there all along and working in us and working through us. But this time of the year is kind of hard to invite Christ in. We keep thinking, okay, yeah, I'm going to bring this light forth. I'm actually going to get it right this time, this Christmas. But it's, but it's kind of hard. My mom loves to bring me boxes of things from my childhood every time she comes, which everyone loves. <sighs> so she brings me stuff, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I was just looking for my second grade report card last week. I'm so glad you brought it. I forgot that I was bad at math. Yeah, I forgot. But I, uh, the favorite thing she's ever brought me was this Christmas list, and it was multiple pages of my list of what I wanted. Because I used to sit down with the JCPenney catalog, and I would go through it, and I would pick out everything I wanted and, you know, with the details. And then I'd put the page number to make sure my mom didn't miss it. But I look at that list and I'm like, oh, man, I did not invite Christ in at all to Christmas ever. And to me, I'm like, oh, I, I need to bring that light a little bit more in. And so this time of the year is tempting not to invite Christ in. But I think we need to because we're going to miss out on something really amazing because Christ has been working and doing things since the beginning of time and we get to be part of it. I know a lot of you, I've shared before that I, I, I struggle with forgiveness. I struggle with, I'm really good at grudges. It's a spiritual gift if it were one. Um, I, I can be really short and rude. I can sometimes have this holier-than-thou complex and so when I know that about myself, I know, gosh, I need to invite Christ in. I need that light. I'm so dependent on it. So my next question is, if you have the light, what is our responsibility? When we read books, kids, when you're taking tests, they always ask a lot about the details. They may ask things like, okay, what was Susie's what was the color of her shirt? Or where did they meet? There's a lot of details. And when you read the Bible, that's really important too. 
So when I read through John, I see there's um, these terms of was and then being and then among us. And so there's this, this movement from what was to what is, what is now, what is today. And I realize this Christ, this living word, is saying now you have a responsibility to do something today, now. Yeah, many of you know that I love John the Baptist. I think I have a picture of him. There he is. <clears throat> but I gotta be honest, if John Baptist looked like that, I wouldn't remember my baptism every week, because look at that face. I'm like, I need it. Anyway. But I love John the Baptist because he just gets it, right? In the scripture, it talks about he totally, completely knew that he wasn't the light. He wasn't bringing people to salvation. He wasn't bringing people um, to this sort of new life and this redemption. He knew he wasn't the one, but he knew who was. And he said, oh, okay, it's go time. Even though he was older, he knew that Christ was before him was before him and had so much um, already working and in the plant. And he simply, I think of it as a ski lift, okay? Most of us have been skiing or have seen a ski lift. Ski lift is just always going, right? And then you simply just get on. And you look super cool when you get on. Actually, you look really super cool when you try to get off and then you trip and fall. I love to watch that. And, um, but I feel like John is like, okay, this has already been going and I simply get to be part of it. I'm going to jump in and I'm going to go because this is now. What was and now is today. And I love the way that John the Baptist tells us, yeah, Christ has been working and doing things for a long time, but now we have a role. Now we have a job to carry this light forth, to bring light into darkness. So kids and adults, everyone here, there's no better time than now to jump on this ski lift of faith, to realize that this word is the savior for us, that loves us and wants to change us and do incredible things through us if we simply say yes. And when we look at this whole story, we accept and we believe and we see that Christ is throughout the entire story. And that he is here now and he's here for always. I'm going to do something a little bit different today to end my sermon. In a moment I'm going to ask um, the Ortegoza family to come up. And we're going to do an infant baptism. And when you're looking at Lucas, that's his name. This perfect, chunky, oh my gosh, just get ready. This beautiful little boy. I want you to look at him and realize that God is already at work. That Christ was part of creating him too. And what Christ set forth is going to help, is going to be lived out through Lucas's life. And we get to be part of it as the church. We get to help continue the work that Christ set forth long before Lucas was born, long before any of us were born. And it's amazing and beautiful. And to revisit this book, to remind you 
that the word, the word is here. The word is here. And he lives among us and he's with us now and forever and all of time. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful that you continue good work, that you have always been here, that the Trinity has always been full, that Christ, the Word, is part of everything, and therefore we should make him everything in our life. Allow us to bring this light into the world that needs it so desperately. Thank you for trusting us with the light. It's in your name.